welcome to our leadership series on the sofa with Angie. Today's special guest is Jennifer Hoffman, who is the Vice President of Marketing at Banked. So a very warm welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Angie. I'm uh, looking forward to our chat. Me too, absolutely. Well, my first question is, um, you successfully uh, scaled companies from 200,000 ARR to 10 million ARR and with very little uh, funding and budget. So what's been the secret to your success? Um, well, there's, I think, a couple of different things that go into that. Um, so obviously, when you're inside of an organization that is still functioning inside of like the, the six figures for their ARR, you're talking about a very early stage startup, right? So you're talking about very limited resources. And as you said, very limited budget. So it's about being scrappy. It's about um, being innovative with what you what resources you do have. Um, and I think for me, it's, it is um, leaning on a couple of, of things that I think really allow you to amplify and build a strong foundation, which is brand building. And then also to uh, building out a robust content marketing strategy. I mean, um, it basically just takes time and a bit of creative thinking um, and, and to be able to put those thoughts down into content that then can be shared and start to build and grow and develop that community of uh, followers, customers, and the like. Excellent. And, and so, so talking about um, building that community of customers and followers, as the vice president of marketing, um, you know, integral to your success has been that you always put the customer at the heart of everything that you do. How do you get into the mind of the customer? Oh, so this is kind of my favorite thing. Um, and, you know, when you stop and you think about who your customer is, whether or not you're a B2C, you're B2B, or even these days, um, you're now seeing a lot of brands be B2B2C. Um, so it's thinking about uh, two key components there for me. Um, number one is obviously going to be what are their objectives and their motivators that that individual person or company is trying to achieve? And then secondarily, what are their pain points? You know, what are the challenges that they're trying to overcome? What are the, the problems that they're trying to solve? And then more importantly, working back into that to figure out like, how can you become that solution or how can you help them achieve those goals? Um, and again, it, it doesn't really matter what, whether or not you're B2B or B2C or B2B to B2C or what sector you're in, but really digging into what makes your target customer tick, I think is ultimately kind of the, the starting point to, to build your, your recipe, if you will, for how you're going to grow and scale um, as a marketing organization. Absolutely. And, and, and sort of having that understanding of people's pain points and, and what makes them tick, uh, obviously you can then customize your uh, messages. Um, as part of that sort of cycle, and there's sort of two parts of this question, how do you solicit feedback from the customer that you know that you've got the right strategies? Um, so obviously it depends upon uh, where you are in your um, organization's journey as far as scaling up. Um, so in early days, if you're still trying to find your product market fit, you might not necessarily have the key customer target base in order to garner that customer feedback from. So then you've got to lean on sort of market research, if you will, right? Um, you've got to drive a hypothesis out as to who that target customer is, and then potentially go out to market either leveraging or 
organic social channels, or also to creating um, some strong partnerships with uh, businesses that have that target or ideal customer base that you then can survey. So understanding again, like what are their current pain points, both as it pertains to your business, but then also to what are any additional pain points that sit outside of that, that have the potential of impacting the solution or the business offering that you're going to propose. Um, I think obviously too, if you're in um, an organization that's a little bit further in your journey of development, then you do have that ideal customer base, right? You do have the capabilities of leveraging email or um, you know social or whatever the case may be as whichever channel you choose to go out to them with the same sort of a concept. So you've got the opportunity to consistently survey them with long form surveys, or you've also got the opportunity whether or not it's inside of an app um, or inside of your services-based organization to just keep asking for feedback, whether or not it's about one particular feature or facet of your organization, or if it's about the entirety of the experience that they've had as a whole. Um, but I think it's just about creating that always-on feedback loop, no matter what size your organization is, that, that's vital and important to continue um, to see success there. And, and the feedback is so important as well. And it's actually involving your customers and actually making them a part of your innovation cycle and your product development cycle. Um, so your expertise is really in, in, in sort of, you know, driving hyper growth, um, you know, across a variety of different companies. Um, how often have you had to pivot off the basis of sort of consumer feedback? Oh boy. <laughs> um, well, coincidentally, in my current role now, um, we've made a couple of different pivots um, with both developing out our core product, but then also to um, how we position that product to the target customer base. And, and all of that has come off the back of customer feedback. Um, you know, we are trying to introduce a new product into the market. Um, effectively at Banked, what we're trying to do is introduce a new way to pay for the end consumer. Um, and kind of what we've started to see is a lot of feedback, both coming from the merchant who is our, our uh, customer, but then also too, we're getting a lot of feedback from the end consumer because it is the end consumer at the end of the day that's interacting with our product on the merchant's website. Um, so, you know, I, I think what it is, is it's making sure that your organization has a test and learn type of mentality um, and understanding that you've got to consistently adapt and be flexible to taking on board that feedback from that customer. Um, so yeah, for us at Banked, I think we, we've done a lot of that over the last, I would say, six to nine months, give or take, um, because we keep learning about user behavior. We keep learning about pain points that the end consumer is having. We keep uh, garnering all of these new pieces of data and feedback that has um, helped to inform our product development. But more importantly, it's helped to inform both our brand strategy as well as our go-to market strategy, which has been a lot of fun. Excellent. And, and it's through that constant engagement with the market that, as you said, it inputs into the product development and it makes you develop the perfect product for your ideal customer base. So building on the sort of uh, notion of feedback, um, if we switch now away from the, the end consumer to uh, your teams and employees, I know that you're a huge advocate of giving feedback. Um, and as women, of, often we can take feedback really personally. So what's your approach to sort of giving and receiving feedback? 
So I think the um, the topic of professional feedback, if it were, um, is one that I, I think has been um, slightly controversial. You know, you've seen a lot of large scale organizations over the past couple of years completely do away with annual reviews, right? Um, and as much as I, I'm a fan of giving feedback, I'm not a fan of like the annual review concept. Um, I think that, you know, there there's a lot of um, sort of negativity that stems from this annual review type of feedback. I think having this mentality of always on feedback is going to be most um, beneficial and impactful in the moment. Um, when there's an issue, you're, you allow the um, staff member or the team member to kind of take that feedback on board in the moment as it's happening, and then be able to also adjust to that. So therefore, there's no built up animosity, there's no built up friction or tension amongst you and that team member or throughout the rest of the team, right? Um, so I think that you know, being able to provide feedback as well inside of an environment where people feel open and comfortable for providing feedback, whether or not it's positive feedback or it's constructive feedback, but it's knowing that it's for the greater good of the development of that individual. Um, and I also think too, that a lot of the times when people think about giving feedback, they think about giving feedback as the manager or, or the leader giving feedback downwards into the team or into people who report to them. Um, and I think that what we neglect to, to, to make sure happens inside of an organization is that we as managers or we as leaders are also open and also create an environment where the teams in which we lead feel comfortable and feel compelled to be able to also offer us back feedback, um, you know, to make us better leaders. I think that I can definitely attest to that, that early on in my career, I felt quite prickly um, uh, receiving feedback from, you know, the team that I managed. But I think as you um, develop the experience in managing teams, obviously the more feedback that flows throughout that team, the stronger the the bond. I think the the stronger the um, the team unit becomes, and I think also too, you know, it, it as I said originally, it creates that sense of stability. It creates that sense of um, you know safety, if you will, both psychologically as well as emotionally, because you've created this area and this environment where people feel that it's okay to kind of discuss those more difficult topics, which also involves obviously uh, providing constructive feedback. Um, you know, I, I think that for me, when you have um, a team that you've built based off of people who are very open-minded, I think that they also too, um, will feel comfortable in that type of an environment of being able to provide you feedback upwards. Um, so I think that's a really long ramble and rant about feedback, but I think that it's just, it's vital and it's massively important that feedback works both ways, both giving it as well as receiving it, no matter you know what um, level of the organization you're within. I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the sort of importance of feedback, it's always been very important, but I think the environment that we're in now makes it even more important because you're not sort of in, you know, you're not bumping into people, you know, the water cooler or going for coffee. And, you know, you may not always pick up on the subtleties of how people are feeling. Yeah. And so, you know, building on that concept of creating the psychological safety and that permission to talk about feedback or how you're feeling, I think is really important. And, 
you know, it's creating that safe environment. Um, and as a leader, I think the leader really needs to role model those behaviors because if people are chastised to giving feedback, it, you know, then people will just keep their opinions to themselves. So, you know, I, I completely agree as, as a leader, you have to create that environment and you have to give people that um, permission. And as you said as well, that reverse feedback as well is really important. Um, particularly when uh, when we're looking at the, the multi-generations that we see in the workplace as well. Millennials are very different to the baby boomers in their approach to work and, and, and how they think and, and their use of technology as well. And so bringing those together and, and creating that cross collaboration, I think is so powerful. Oh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> So uh, as we sort of bring our uh, interview to a close, what advice would you be to, uh, to sort of women and men as well who are starting their, their career in tech and fintech? Oh, what advice would I give? Um, I think the best piece of advice for, for women starting their career in tech and men as well, obviously, is to, to be bold. Um, you know, be bold with your ambitions, be bold with your convictions as to who you are, what you want to achieve with both your career as well as your personal development. Um, and I think that, you know, never forget like what you're capable of doing. Have confidence in the fact that you know what you know, have confidence in the fact that you've gotten this far in life and, and have confidence in the fact that you are capable I think that we as women, um, unfortunately, uh, become quite trepidous around, you know, taking that next step or pushing to the next level or, um, you know, really going after something big and ambitious because society has told us, no, we have to stay in our box um, or we're afraid, right? Or we feel that we're, um, we're not worthy enough or whatever the case may be is that that kind of really holds women back. Um, so I think that's why I say like, be bold and be brave and remember like you very much are capable of doing whatever it is that, that you wanna do and whatever it is that you set your mind to. What a brilliant way to, to sort of close the, uh, the interview, be bold and just go and achieve whatever you set your uh, mind to. Um, so thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today and it was packed full of uh, insights and guidance. So thank you so much. No, likewise, Angie. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.